Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you are truth. We thank you that you guide us and you lead us and that you are God and King and sacrifice. And we just want to give you glory and praise and honor and just recognize you're magnificent. And Lord, we pray that during this Christmas season uh, that we would just lean into you, but that it would carry to the rest of our seasons. Lord, we love you and praise you and we give you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's our third sermon in this series, The First Noel. And today is a song of honesty. And so throughout this series, we've looked at who Jesus is. We've seen that He is humor, He's humility, and now we're going to see that He is honesty. And so what does the Bible sing about Jesus and His honesty? Let's first skip down to the third verse of the song, The First Noel. It says this, And by the light of that same star, three wise men came from country far. To seek for a king was their intent, and to follow the star wherever it went. Noel, born as the king of Israel. And so normally the third week of Advent is is joy, and we see joy in the shepherds, but we're going to see joy in these wise men today. But I don't want us to think about this sermon as being about the shepherds or the wise men. It's always about the King. Jesus. King Jesus. Even as a child. And so these magi, they show up and they demonstrate this this joy over finding a simple baby in a normal house in a small town. Nothing would demonstrate a King other than the Holy Spirit directing them with this supernatural star. This word magi is the word used in the Greek for wise men. It often makes us think of magicians like the ones that pull the rabbit out of the hat or cut a lady in half or maybe like Gandalf the Great with these magic powers, but that's not them at all. The wise men were more like scientists or teachers. They were more like scholars. They studied. They were, they were wealthy. They were elite. You see, Jesus relates even to these Wealthy Gentiles, as long as they're looking for Him. Not just the poor and the the lowly of this world, but humor, humility, and honesty can come in all packages, mainly Jesus, but we see it in all the people that are around His story. And so the wise men today. Now I don't want us to get caught up in the fact that it says that there are three wise men, or tradition tells us this. No, we know only that there was more than one. And even if there was three, we know that there would have been a group of people that were with them. They traveled in large groups at that time. But what's important today is the last word here, this last phrase. They followed the star wherever it went. The wise men, they followed the truth and it led them directly to Jesus. Jesus is the true star. And I believe that if we seek out Jesus, we will come to no other conclusion than He is King and He is the Savior of the world. And so the question for us today is, where are you at in your research of who Jesus is? The wise men, they are at a place where they traveled a long way to see Jesus. The wise men were at a place where they traveled to worship Jesus. 
And they're at a place where they gave Him these gifts. The song we just sang, We Three Kings of Orient are, bearing gifts with traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. O star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to Thy perfect light. Born a king of Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown Him again. King forever, ceasing never, over all us to reign. Frankincense to offer, have I incense own, a deity nigh. Prayer and praising, all men raising, worship Him, God most high. Myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume breathes a life of gathering gloom. Sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone-cold tomb. Glorious now, behold Him arise, King and God and sacrifice. Alleluia, alleluia, heaven to earth replies. This alleluia means God be praised. It's a noel. It's a song of joy. But these actions of the wise men, they speak towards this, this honesty, this truth that they're seeking They follow the truth wherever it takes. They follow the the yonder star. They they let this perfect light guide them. Gentiles surrendering to a Jewish king. And they worship him. They might not know exactly his mission, but they worship him. And they know that he is king. But yet he's more than that. He's Jesus. He is king and God and sacrifice. All three are necessary. And so let's look at Matthew 2. If you turn your Bibles there, that's where we're going to camp for the rest of the day. Verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the day of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Most scholars believe that the wise men were Persian. Basically, modern-day Iraq, maybe some portions of Iran. Abraham was from this area. There's also this cool story about a prophet named Balaam. He resides near the Euphrates River, which is in Persia. It was near the city of Babylon where the Israelites, including Daniel, were taken. Now, Balaam might not ring a bell until I tell you that he started talking to a donkey. Now, talking to a donkey isn't really that interesting, but when the, talk, the donkey talks back to you, like Shrek, that is. What's funny is the donkey was more aware than Balaam. And so anyways, Balaam, he's, he's paid for these prophecies. But he only prophesies the truth. He is a true prophet. And his enemies, the, the Moabites, they want him to curse Israel. But instead, he speaks a blessing on Israel and he curses the Moabites. The very enemies who are paying him. And even at the time, God is working in the Gentiles. And Balaam says this in Numbers 24, 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. And it shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheath. The people in this area, right? They'd heard these stories. They were looking for something out of Jacob who was known as Israel. 
And to their great astonishment, it would become to see this actual star. I mean, how more clear could God have made it? How clear is God making it to you? If you're willing to seek out the truth. 2020, around Christmas time, we saw Jupiter and Saturn, they merged. It was amazing. It was in the West. I couldn't help it. It was supernatural. And what's cool is these men, these wise men, they were looking for it. They followed the star because of it. Now, they may have had texts from Balaam. They may have had texts from Daniel 9 talking about this timetable. I don't know. They may have been directed by God. Maybe it was all three. But what really matters is that they went. Is that they listened. That they followed the truth. They followed the star. And what was significant about the star? Now, the first wise men may have observed it when Jesus was born. They may have observed it up to two years earlier. I don't know exactly when they saw this star. I just know that it made a difference in their life. And when they went, they found Jesus in Bethlehem. They searched Him out and they found Him. Now, we can assume that Joseph and Mary at least stayed there 40 days for a time of purification. Luke 2.22, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses... They brought Him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present Him to the Lord. And if we look at Matthew, the Scripture also tells us that Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and that He was a child living in a house. And we know He must have been before two years old because of Herod's crazy idea to kill these two-year-olds in Bethlehem. And see, I tell you this, and all this is great, but I want you to be careful. Often we get caught up in all these little details, all this little history, when what is important is the Gospel. The truth about who Jesus is. We can never let these other little things pull us away from that. The true star is Jesus. And so that star, it led them to to Jerusalem, which makes sense. If you were looking for a king of Israel, you would go there. Especially if you don't know Micah's prophecy in, in his own book. We see this in, in Bethlehem, Matthew 2, 3 and 6. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all of Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of people, Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. The chief priests and the scribes, they knew the prophecy. They knew this time, and yet... They ignored it. Which was no less of a lie than Herod who seeks out Jesus. He wants his death by by lying to these wise men. Verse 7 and 8. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained them for when the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. A bold-faced lie. I mean, Herod has no desire to worship Him. And in this section of Scripture, we see every man who has ever lived. There's three categories. Either we ignore Jesus like the leaders, these these scribes and these Pharisees. We oppose Him like Herod does. Or we follow the truth. And we worship Him like these Gentiles, these wise men did. Where you're from does not determine your ability to follow Jesus. Your willingness to search Him out 
does. And so from the very beginning, God included the Gentiles in His plan. I found at least 56 Old Testament Scriptures. I found 29 New Testament Scriptures that mentions that the Messiah is coming for all nations. It says it in Genesis, Exodus, Joshua, Kings, Chronicles, Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Haggai, and Malachi. And that's just the Old Testament. It says that all nations will be blessed. That all nations will be saved. Every nation, every tongue, and every people that leans into this truth and who Jesus is. 21 times in the Psalms, it sings it out. Like Psalm 86.9, it says, All nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Anybody can seek out truth. Anybody can be honest about who God is. Herod and the priests, they are the opposite of honesty. They're living in the promised land. They have the Savior in their backyard and they are so caught up in their own power to search out the truth. We see that in the world we live in today. And I'm not so worried about the world. I'm worried about what's in the church. Because I tell you, you can sit in the church and you cannot see the truth. I did it for 30 years sitting in the back of this room. I came every Sunday and checked a box, but I did not seek Him out. He was not first in my life. He was not my truth. I wanted my own truth. He was not the head of my life. And so the question for us today, are you seeking out Jesus with everything that you have? Because these wise men sought Him out. They left Herod's palace. We see this in verse 9 and 10. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced. There was joy exceedingly. Maybe they sang a song. I don't know that for sure. But I can tell you, their worship of this child was a song. It was a Noel to Jesus These grown men, these wealthy men were worshiping a peasant king in a manger. Maybe he wasn't in a manger, but in a house at least. They bowed to him. And they worship him with gifts. Verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and they worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They gave their best. Not just sacrificing by traveling so far to see this baby. But they gave these gifts. Their best gifts. Gifts that were selected by the Spirit. So often we give of our leftovers. When the Bible tells us that Jesus wants our first song, He wants that from us, not our leftovers. What if you showed up to, to see Queen, Queen Elizabeth before she died? Now, I used her because my wife doesn't like King Charles. <laughs> but what if you gave her your used pots and pans as a gift? What if I told her I couldn't visit her because I was too busy with work or sports or whatever I had going on? Do you think she'd be flattered? She probably wouldn't see you at all. But how often do we treat Jesus this way? 
Jesus is just part of our life. He's after everything else. He's the leftovers. But no, that's not what the Bible tells us. It says that Jesus is first, that He is foremost, that He is the truth of everything in our life. But the truth is, our life often speaks to something different. Our life often says that Jesus isn't the most important thing. Guys, He wants to be the focus of our song. The wise men, they made Jesus a priority. They traveled a long distance to see the Savior, to bow at His feet. And they gave Him what they had the best. They worshipped Him by giving Him these gifts. Gold represents this divinity. They knew that Jesus was God. They knew that He was King. And then frankincense represents holiness and righteousness and worship. Without Jesus, we can never be righteous. We can never worship Him the way that He wants to be worshipped. And then myrrh it represents bitterness, suffering, and affliction. It was used in embalming, which is preparing people for burial. And what I love is Jesus fulfills all of this on the cross. Not to mention, I believe that God used these gifts to allow Joseph and Mary and Jesus to escape to Egypt. Which not only saved Jesus from Herod and his crazy plans, but, but also fulfilled Scripture. Hosea 11.1, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. I can tell you as a pastor, my biggest fear is that we as the church will miss out on what God is trying to tell us. My fear is that we will get caught up in life and we will not look to this light that is right in front of us. Matthew Henry in his concise commentary in the Bible said this. Listen closely. Those who live at the greatest distance from the means of grace often use most diligence and learn to know most of Christ in His salvation. But no curious arts or mere human learning can direct men unto Him. We must learn of Christ by attending to the Word of God as a light that shineth in a dark place. And by seeking the teaching of the Holy Spirit in those in whose hearts the day star is risen, to give them anything of the knowledge of Christ, make it their business to worship Him. This book is the star that points us. It's the light that points us to Jesus. And we have it right here in our hand. And Jesus is our life. He should be. We have to diligently seek Him out or we will miss Him. We have to be truthful about who He is and who He is in our life. But often we stop before we completely surrender. Before we get this entire picture. Do we understand this truth? Do we look for Him? Because if we don't, we'll be like a scientist who only sees natural solutions. It reminded me of a story that I read this week. Now, it's a little bit long, but I love how it ends, so stay with me here. In 2006, NASA launched the Horizon spacecraft, the new one. They did it in order to, to visit Pluto to take pictures. But when it gets there, it had enough energy, it just whizzed on by, and it just keeps on going, sending pictures back. And right now, it's far from the light source contamination that we have close to our own planet. You see, around the earth, it's, it's filled with these dust particles that light up when the sun hits it. But dust isn't a problem for the new horizon. Plus, out there, the sunlight is much weaker. So to try to detect the faint glow of the universe, researchers went through images taken by the spacecraft's simple telescope and camera 
and look for the ones that were incredibly boring. Then they processed these images to remove all known sources of visible light. They subtracted out the light from the stars and from the Milky Way and any stray light that might be a result of the camera's quirks. They were left with light coming in from beyond our galaxy. Then they went a step further still, subtracting out light that could attribute to all the galaxies thought to be out there. And it turns out once that was done, there was still plenty of unexplained light. In fact, the amount of light coming from mysterious sources was about equal to all the light coming in from the known galaxies, says Mark Postman. So maybe there are unrecognized galaxies out there, he says. Or some other source of light that we don't know yet what it is. So where does this light come from? Perhaps, he says, there are far more small, faint dwarf galaxies and other faint regions of the outskirts of the galaxies that instruments like the Hubble Space Telescope can't detect. And so scientists just aren't aware of them. Or maybe there's more dust out there interfering with the measurements that scientists expected. Or maybe, perhaps, there's more exotic explanation. Some unknown phenomenon out in the universe that creates visible light. The scientists have stopped one being short. They have not looked to the God, the Creator, as the most plausible reason why there is light in such a vast universe. Our God. And when we're not open to all the truth, we might as well be looked at as a liar. True science sees all possibilities. It's the only way that we can truly understand the truth. We must not hold back. We must not ignore it. We must seek out and discover, or we are hypocrites. And what do we know about hypocrites? We know that we can't believe what they say. David understood this. David, he cared about integrity. He cared about the truth. And he cared about honesty. Enough to write a song. Psalm 26, let's just look at 1 through 4. He said, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor I consort with hypocrites. David, he understood how important this was. It was important enough to sing about. The wise men thought it was important enough to travel around a thousand miles. Jesus is worth it. We see it in who He is and what He says. I mean, think about it for a second. Jesus never told a lie. Not even a little white lie. He was truthful in anything that He did. He lived out the law perfectly. He is honesty. Some of the greatest minds in history looked for Jesus, and they found Him. Scientists like Isaac Newton, Galileo, Francis Bacon, Blaise Pascal, and even Albert Einstein, they looked for a God and they found Him, and they believed. The universe around us calls for the supernatural. Science calls for a Creator. And He can and will intercede. You see, I would have thought that Herod and the priests would have seen the star. But were they really looking for it? They knew the Scripture. They knew Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem, but it was the Gentiles, these wise men, who seek out the child and then they worship Him. Sometimes things are so obvious. If we would just open our eyes. The problem is if we open our eyes, we have to give up this control of our own lives. 
Herod didn't want to get up control. The Pharisees didn't want to give up control. The scribes didn't want to give up control. But God calls us to give up control. And that's the truth. And when we do that, we must be real about who Jesus is in our life. We can't fake it. Jesus does not want to fake us. No one can come alongside of us if we're faking it. And I love, we see this in Jesus' ministry. I mean, Jesus is preaching the greatest sermon ever preached in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says truth after truth until he gets to the action of the heart. He's speaking to who we are and what comes out of us. Matthew 7, 8 through 10. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear, ba- bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Is truth in your heart. And if it is, then there should be actions coming out of it. Jesus, he lived out this truth every day. What do you think he calls us to do? I mean, even when Jesus was on the cross, listen to his words. Matthew 27, 46, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lima Sabatini. This is my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? He's chanting this prophetic song by David. Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. And in verse 3, yet, yet you are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel. Yet you are holy. When times are good, you say, yet you, God, are holy. When times are rough, when you're going through trials, do you say, yet you, God, are holy? When it's Christmas time, maybe when it's not Christmas time, where is your heart? Search it. Search the truth. Search Jesus who lives out this truth. He is honesty. Jesus is on the cross. It's the most difficult moment of his life. And yet, it is every attribute living out in him. He does not lay down his identity. He is all of this. At this moment, there's humor. I see it. It's hard to see. But but Jesus will get the last laugh. That doesn't make it any easier. But often in our life, humor is hard to see at the moment, but some of the greatest moments that we laugh at later were some difficult moments in our life. And there's humility. He knows what it's like to be separated from God. He can relate to us in this way. He takes on the cross for you and I. And when He does that, it should drive something in us. Right? Jesus is so great that that He deserves something from us. He deserves everything from us. He deserves our time, our worship, and our resources. We would have nothing. We would have been forsaken by God without Him. And yet we hold back and we give Him our leftovers. And then honesty. Jesus isn't acting like everything is okay at that moment. No, He's not cracking jokes. He's not saying that He's highly favored and blessed. No, He is proclaiming the truth. He is exclaiming what is going on in His life at that moment. And I think we can learn so much. I believe we can be real in who we are, how we feel, and how we worship. 
And so my prayer is that our love for Jesus will be real and not just an act. I mean, who are we trying to fool? Jesus knows everything. I've told stories about my buddy Jackson over the last year. He struggled, man. He's been going through a divorce. And over the last year, he's told me multiple times that he's just screamed at Jesus. Jesus can handle it. Right? Is your heart screaming at Jesus? He knows what's going on. Can we speak to him in a way that is real? But in that next breath, we have to let Jesus change us. His realness. Jesus does not let us dive into despair. He is a light in an otherwise dark world. And I believe that's what makes Christmas great. It's the darkest time of the year, and yet there is light all around us. It's this perspective that we see. And Jesus changes our perspective. If we'll let Him into our song. And so as we close, do you struggle with depression? It's okay to speak out. It's okay to sing out. Are you going through trials right now? Are you suffering right now? It's okay to speak it. It's okay to sing it. This Christmas season, are you struggling? Have you seen others that may be struggling? And when you see this, do you invite them into your family? Do you invite them into this family, this church? Because this church can make a difference because we're focused on Jesus. And so this week coming up, we have Christmas service in the morning and Christmas Eve service in the, in the evening. Invite somebody. But in it, be real. Be real and create these friendships that are lasting. And no matter what is going on in your life, I ask you to sing a song, but make your song about Jesus. It points towards Him. He is the Noel. Sing a Noel to Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we praise you. We sing to you and we thank you that you are truth and that you are honesty. We thank you that you guide us and you point us towards you. And Lord, we ask that as we go through this week that this would be a time that we focus on you, but that time would carry through to the rest of our life. Lord, I pray that, pray that you would prepare the hearts of the people that may show up next week. I pray that it would be a time where people will give you glory through salvation because you are God and King and sacrifice. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.